Let me uh, begin by saying it's an honor and a uh, privilege to be here before you all uh, this morning. I appreciate so very much the invitation uh, from uh, the elders and uh, Brother Matthew for letting me uh, uh, be here with you all this morning. It means so very much and uh, I can't tell you how uh, much of a privilege it is to stand uh, behind any pulpit to preach uh, to look inside of God's Word and to share it with others. It's such a, always a great opportunity and always a, a great blessing to be able to do that. I'm thankful for uh, you all, your hospitality. Every time that I've come here, I've always heard something encouraging said. Uh, so I appreciate your love, your encouragement. It means so very much. And um, it's just such a, a good and wonderful blessing to be here with you all this morning. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did those things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away, one of them denied him, and another betrayed him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed tomb through the pity of a friend. Many centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All of the armies that have ever marched, all of the navies that have ever sailed, all of the parliaments that have ever sat, and all of the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. This was a, a poem that was... Uh, written by a man describing his, his thoughts on Jesus. And when you look down through the span of time, you can notice how many things have been written about Jesus. Many books have been written. Many songs have been written and sung. And there have been many discussions held uh, on Jesus and everything that He's done. And so we see Jesus Christ. He is in the very center of the gospel. 
And you know, here lately, we have been hearing so many uh, bad things that's, that's been going on in, in our world, in, in our country, in our local surrounding areas. And, and it's so very evident to see that everywhere all of us turn, there's bad news. We hear bad news all the time. You turn on the TV and all you see is, is negativity. Uh, you listen to the radio and we can hear many sad things. For the past year and a half, we all have, have heard of and, heard and listened to and battled with COVID. But you know this morning, for a few minutes, I want us to take our minds away from, from all of the bad news and I want us to focus on something that is extremely important. This morning, I want us to look in the Bible, and I want us to study about Jesus. I want us to study about the gospel. Because, you know, sometimes we just begin to read, and we don't take all of it in like we should to, like we need to. And sometimes we just read it. But we don't take it all in. And so this morning, I want us to understand that, that while we hear so much bad news, while we hear so much negativity in this world, we need to understand that and be reminded that, that there is good news. There is things to rejoice in, to be happy about. Here recently, we've been hearing things that, that cause us to be sad. It causes us to be down. It causes us to be discouraged. But today, I want us uh, to realize that there is something that we ought to be happy in and rejoice about every single day that we live on this earth. The gospel. The good news, which is we know the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so let's look at that this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for a brief moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes here, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This morning, may we pay very, very close attention to scripture, and may we never forget all that has been done for us and all that we can rejoice in this very morning. Today I want to talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, let's first begin talking about His death. Let's talk about His death. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 and notice what is written there. In verse 1, the Bible says, When the morning was come, 
And all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Now let's go to verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they, they witness against thee? And he answered to him never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. So what we see here is this picture that Jesus, he is standing before the governor and Pontius Pilate, and we understand uh, that it was the custom for the governor at this time, at the feast, to release a prisoner to the people, uh, one who the people requested. And so we go on in verses 15 through 26, and we can read everything that happens there. We see that when Pilate asked the people who he should release, the crowd chanted for Barabbas. They wanted Barabbas who was according to Mark chapter 15 and verse 7, a murderer. And so their options was the perfect son of God who had never done anything wrong, who had never committed a crime, who had never even so much as sin or thought about giving in to any temptation versus one who was a murderer. Now, Pilate knew that Jesus was not guilty. Pilate knew that Jesus had done nothing wrong. He knew that Jesus had never done anything that was unlawful at all. But when we go to Mark chapter 15 and, and verse 15, we read this. The Bible says, Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas to them and delivered Jesus to be crucified. And so we see Pilate, he was, he was more concerned about keeping the crowd happy uh, more than he was concerned about doing the right thing. He cared more about his fame and his name. He cared more about his popularity among the people, more than he cared about doing what he should have done, doing the right thing. And so what did he do instead? Well, we see that, that he gave into the crowd. He released Barabbas just as they had requested him to do. And that's a learning point for all of us today. You see, because oftentimes today, preachers may be guilty of uh, preaching to, to please the crowd instead of preaching the whole council and instead of being pleasing to God. But you notice in 1 Corinthians 15 that we read, verse 1, Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel. And you know, sometimes the gospel, hearing what we need to hear from the Word of God, sometimes that can step on our toes. And, and it should. Because we need to realize that we must never give ourselves over to, to only listening to things that always make us feel good all the time. And so I'm very thankful. 
uh, for elders all over the brotherhood who who make sure that there are men preaching who will preach the Word of God and only the Word of God and nothing else. Men who will preach the, the whole counsel of God. Not those who, who seek to please men, but rather those who are willing and who are firmly standing on the Word of God. And I pray that that I'm never named as one who, who compromises the Word of God. I pray that I'm never one who, who gives in, who, who tries to be popular with the world, but I pray that I'm one who always stands and preaches only what the Bible says, the Word of God, because that's what we're going to be judged by in the last day. Now, let's go back to our text and keep reading all that, that uh, Christ went through, all that He did for us. We go to Matthew 27 and verse 27. And the Bible tells us this, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto Him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped Him and put on Him a scarlet robe and when they have plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him and took the reed and they smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had, uh, were come into a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Verse 39 says, And they passed, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we'll believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? 
And some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. Friends, Jesus Christ, he suffered and he bled and he died on that cross for for you and, and for me. And we see from Scripture just how much he endured just how much he, he truly suffered. The Bible talks about how he was whipped, how, how he was beaten, how he was stripped from his own clothes, how they forced a crown of thorns on his head. The Bible talks about how he was mocked, spit upon, how he was crucified. And you know, if something like that was happening to someone today, what would we try to do? Well, we would try to help them. We wouldn't let that go on to somebody. There was Christ. No one stopping what was happening to Him. And the question is, is why? Why did Jesus go through everything that he went through? Well, one is because of his love. His love, the Bible says in Romans 5 and verse 8, but God commendeth his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and I. For God so loved those who don't love Him back. For God so loved those who who say He's not real. And the list can keep going on and on. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 15 and verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Why did did Jesus do what He did on that cross? Why did He go through all of that for us? Well, so we can be healed. So we can be set free from, from sin. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, Who His own self bear our sins in His body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 tells us, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Friends, no, nothing at all could ever replace what Christ has done for every single one of us. 
Many people may come up with different ways, but no matter how many new philosophies are developed, no matter how many man-made uh, self-help plans are created, nothing uh, offers freedom from sin except the cross and everything that Jesus did for us there. He stayed on that cross for you and, and for me. We looked at his death. Now, we can look at, number two, his, his tomb. Matthew 27 and verse 57 says, When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And so we see that Christ, he was, he was buried in this borrowed tomb. We can keep going to look at verses 63 through, through 66. And we notice that the tomb, it was sealed and guarded until uh, the third day and, and we notice that the chief priests there, the, the Pharisees, they were worried. They were worried that the disciples, that they may come steal the body of Jesus. Now I want you to imagine this scene that's, that's taken place here. Christ has been through so much suffering he has endured all of this beating and the mocking, all of this he has went through. He has suffered this cruel death on the cross. Now he's been laid in, in a borrowed tomb. If that was the end of it, how sad would that be? If that was the end of the account and, and there was nothing else recorded, how sad would that truly be? But friends, we know this morning that that wasn't the end. And we ought to be thankful for that. And so that brings us to, to number three. We can look at His resurrection. All four gospel uh, writers, they tell us of this account, and we read there where Mary Magdalene, Mary the, the mother of James, and Joanna, they came to the tomb early in the morning to, to bring spices to anoint the body of Jesus. And what did they find when they got there? Well, number one, we, we see that they, know, they found three things. Number one, they found that the stone... That it was rolled away. When you go to Mark chapter 16 and verse 3, we see that the women, they were worried about how they were going to, to move the stone. But there in verse 4 of that chapter, we see that when they got there, the stone, it was already rolled away. And when you go to Matthew 28, there in verse 2, the Bible talks about how there was a great earthquake because the angel had come from heaven. They rolled the stone away. I once read this, uh, a man, H. Leo Bowles, he often said this, the stone was rolled back, not so the Lord could get out, but so the disciples could get in and see that the master was gone. 
You see, Christ, he would have come out of that tomb if, if the stone had been rolled back or not. And he, he could have been resurrected from death whether the stone was rolled away or not. So number one, when uh, they got there, they found that the stone had been rolled away. Number two, they found the angels who told them that Jesus was not there. In fact, they had told them that he had risen. And so the angels, they knew who the women were looking for. And so they were told to not be afraid. He said, come and see where he had lain. Verse 6 of Matthew 28. And then number 3, they, the, the women and the disciples, they, they found the grave clothes that was still in the tomb. Luke 24 and verse 12 and John chapter 20 and verse 5. And so we see what they did find. They, they found that the stone was rolled away. They found the angels uh, who told them uh, what they told them. And then they found uh, the grave clothes. But what did they not find? You know, something they didn't find was Jesus. Uh, they didn't find the body of Jesus because he, he had risen the third day just like it had been prophesied about in the Old Testament just as Christ said himself in Matthew 12 and verse 40 and in John chapter 2 and verse 19. And so knowing all of this, the gospel is now complete. Jesus died, he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day. The gospel. And so let's talk about that just for a few moments. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul here is writing to the church uh, at Corinth. And in, in this chapter he addresses the resurrection of Christ. Verses 1 through 11 he gives... a. Facts about the resurrection while there in verses 12 through 19 he explains the importance of it. And so he says again, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you've received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed it in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. All that had been prophesied about, all that was going to take place, it happened. And so now we skip down to verse 12. Paul says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He uh, raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, yet you are in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished, 
If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. You see, Paul shows us here that if Christ is not risen, then our faith, it's, it's vain. And so without the resurrection, we have no forgiveness of sins. Without the resurrection, we have no hope of salvation. Without the resurrection, we have no Christianity. Without the resurrection, we have no hope of eternal life. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God that Christ did rise on that third day. And so what does that mean for us today? Well, the resurrection shows us that sin was atoned for. It shows us that death was conquered and it shows us that eternal life, it is possible for everyone who will obey and everyone who will live faithfully to God. And so all of this is because Jesus still lives. What can we take from the resurrection? Well, we know because of the resurrection, Jesus is still alive today. And because Jesus lives, our faith is not in vain. Because Jesus lives, we have hope beyond this life. Because Jesus lives, we will be raised if we're in the grave when He returns. Because Jesus lives, death and the grave, they're conquered 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 26, the Bible tells us the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Verse 55, the Bible tells us there, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. And so because Jesus lives... We have victory through Him if we are obedient, if we remain faithful until the very point of our death. Because Jesus lives, our labor is not in vain if we're a child of God. Verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, when the women went to the tomb of Jesus after He was crucified, they were told three things. They heard three things. Fear not. Come and see. Go and tell. Fear not. Come and see. Go and tell. And that's exactly what they did. Matthew 28 and verse 8. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring His disciples' word. This morning, friends, if you're not a Christian, we ask you today that, that you put whatever fear that you may have, put that aside. Come this morning and see what the Word of God says about the salvation of your very own soul. 
After hearing the Word of God, you must believe it with your whole heart. You must be willing to repent of your sins, to turn away from your sinful life, to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and to follow that, that plan of salvation, being buried with Him in baptism, dying to your sins, having them washed away, and to be raised up out of the water to walk in newness of life. This morning, if you're here and if you are a Christian, if you have given your life over to the things that are of this world, or if your focus needs to be readjusted, we ask that you do not leave here without making sure your relationship with God is where it needs to be. Friends, we hear and we talk about so much bad news. But you know, you can leave here this morning a faithful Christian. You can leave here this morning a child of God and you can go and tell the world about Christ and all that He has done for us. You can leave here this morning bearing good news to a world who focuses on the bad news. Christ suffered and died, but that wasn't the end. You see, He, he was raised on the third day and today He sits... Uh, on the right hand of the Father. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15, the Bible says, But thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. This morning, we ask that you don't be afraid. Come and see and go and tell the world about a Savior who came to this earth to die for us all. If we can help you in any way this morning, won't you come? As together we stand and, and as we sing.